Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Lowdown Society. I hope everyone's been well. This episode is a little bit different, and for uh, those of you who have followed the podcast for a while, you might remember uh, one of the first episodes, Sonny T, Sonny Thompson from Prince's band, The New Power Generation. Um, The interview with him was very short. Uh, This one's a little bit longer. So this episode has a lot more music in it than you guys are used to because I am interviewing a Swedish bass player who has hundreds of credits on Swedish records. So to make it easier, I have put a lot of the music we're talking about in the podcast, sort of when we're talking about it. Uh, Hopefully they'll save you guys some uh, searching time around the internet too. The player in question, Nalle Paulson. Nalle is his nickname. His real name is Björn, or Björn, if you're English-American. Nalle Paulson is one of my favorite bass players from my native Sweden. And his uh, pick style, his right hand, and his trusty Yamaha BB-1600 should all be in the Swedish Music Hall of Fame if they ever put one of those up. Uh, It's as good as it gets from my home country. And so let's uh, go back to September last year when I was uh, in Nautilus' apartment in Stockholm. And uh, we were talking about all things bass as usual. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, get ready for some new music from a guy you might not have heard of. Uh, one of my big heroes, Nalle Poulsson. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Lowdown Society. And today we are in Stockholm, Sweden. And... Uh, Something's going to happen today that's that's been bound to happen for a long time. It's me, a Swedish guy, hanging out with another Swedish guy and speaking English just so you guys get the benefit of it. And uh, today I am with, uh, I want to say, legendary Swedish rock and roll bass player, Nalle Paulsson. Thank Welcome. you very much. Nice to be here with you. You have been on a few little interviews and podcasts lately. Uh, but I feel like they have focused more on some of your more current stuff like Therion and and uh, and I, of course, not being super young, I'm curious about some of the uh some of the early stuff. But you're you're born and raised in Stockholm, right? Yeah. I was born here and I was raised here and um yeah, I started my career let's say the prof- professional so called the professional career back in 83, 84, I started to play with a Swedish pop star, teenage idol, Niklas Wahlgren, and then over to uh, John Norum from Europe, his little sister, Tone Norum, and Swedish uh, artists such as uh, Mikael Rikfors, Pugrogefelt, uh, Mats Ronander, Mats Ronander, who has also played with ABBA. Yes. Yeah. We're going to get into all that, but the interesting thing, first of all, in 83, 84, because you just told me what year you were born, you were 20 and 21 years old. Yeah. And you were playing with, uh, you said, Niklas Wahlgren and Tone Norum. Yes. Right? Yeah. Which are huge Swedish pop stars at the time. Yeah. So those are really good gigs for a guy your age. But they're very, very pop. And you come from, uh, you know, Deep Purple, Uriah Heap, Kiss. You come from that school of rock and roll. So... How did you become the pop guy gr- growing up on hard rock? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it just happened. Um, I'm, I think I'm able to play almost anything except the more um, hard technical stuff. Some of it I can play, but uh, no, it just happened. And I, I, play, I actually, from the beginning, my first recording I did, we released a single, single with a band called Coda, and that was actually funk. Mm-hmm. So I played slap bass. Um, so um, I saw that when I when I got the request to um, or the opportunity to join this band, it was uh, very much like, ah, oh, they got a record contract. So let's move away, move away from the garage where I played <laughs> yeah. um, some kind of rock and pop, and I I, I wanted to get into uh, music business, of course. But I, I I like that style too. I like um, like we talked about before, Earth, Wind and Fire, Stevie Wonder, or yeah. whatever, um, Mother's Finest, or whatever it has been. So I was comfortable with that too. So yeah. I've always been open-minded to play anything. Yeah, so, Mother's yeah. Finest is an interesting point because they were never as popular 
in the States where they're from. They're from Augusta, Georgia. Oh, yeah. They were never as popular in the States as they are over here. But here, a lot of the, I feel like, hard rock guys always loved Mother's Finest because yeah. they were the first band and they have never get enough credit for mixing hard rock and funk. Uh -huh. and, and it is brutal and to the point. I mean, their first record... I listened to it today, and it's heavier and angrier than a lot of metal records. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah, I know. So it stole a lot of our hearts as rock guys trying to play funk, I think. Yeah. I think um, it was a band called um, Electric Boys, you know, mm -hmm. from here from Sweden. And the first thing I thought of when I heard their, uh, their songs from the beginning, uh, it was rock, but it was also some kind of funk into it. So uh, I directly thought they must be inspired by uh, Mother's Finest. Yeah. Because uh, they, um, yeah, they, I really like them. Yeah, fantastic band. And there is on you, uh, we're going to give a lot of YouTube recommendations to you guys who aren't Swedish so you can familiarize yourself with a lot of stuff. There's a YouTube video when they played on Swedish television, uh, Electric Boys. I think it's maybe somewhere in the north of Sweden. The Swedish television did a one-hour show, and the guys are pretty young, but they play like seasoned old pros. The yeah, playing yeah. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. They're really the good. drummer, as a bass player, I'm just watching the drummer going, this skinny guy is like John Bonham. I mean, yeah, yeah, he has yeah. that big swing. Yeah. You know? Niklas Siegewald. Yeah. Yeah, I know this guy. I went to school with him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's great. Yeah, so that's your first recommendation to check out Electric Boys, which is like a, uh, according to themselves, it's a funk and metal carpet ride. Uh, Nalle did not play in that band, but that's your first, uh, if you're not a Swede, that's your first recommendation today. I saw you post on Facebook the other day that you considered that your career sort of peaked with Matsunander, that that was the pinnacle of when everything was, it was exciting and the band was kicking ass and, and, and you felt... Maybe like it was the most perfect gig for you? Yeah. It was, um, you know, I had, over the years, I had been, you know, uh, checking out what do I want to do, what artist would I like to play with, and so on. And Mats Runander was actually one of the top guys there, top artists. And when I was there, it was like, yeah, you know, to stand there on stage and play with your, with your idol, you mm -hmm. know, it was fantastic. And um, yeah, what can I say? It was really great. And his ex, also Sanne Salomonsen, mm -hmm. who was uh, at that time in the in the nineties uh, one of uh, Denmark's biggest singers artists back then. I also played with her and toured a lot with her. I played both. Ba I played bass on one tour and I played guitar on another tour with her. Uh, and backing vocals, uh, but um, yeah, it, it was sort of the peak of my career. Um, what I felt at that point. So far, we should say so far. Yeah, so I, far. I, I know a lot of good things are going to happen after this pandemic for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope so too. Yeah. But uh, but no, but that was back in uh, ninety two, ninety three, and uh, I don't know. Something happened to me mentally at that at that point too it was uh, i got into a personal crisis and yeah. I, I i guess it was um yeah i had some panic syndromes and shit we're not yeah. going to talk about that now but, uh, but it actually no. happened it actually had something to do with it um but everything after that it, it calmed down and and um yeah then i just went on and then it has been this bigger thing when i got to tour with uh, therian around the world mm -hmm. so on since uh 2008 until last year 2019 then i quit because i couldn't take the long touring anymore yeah. no. so uh what you mentioned that you, you were having panic attacks a few of my latest guests have been brave enough to talk about mental health as a musician yeah, yeah. and uh it's one of the most important things to talk about because our talent our talent and our weirdness which is our superpower yeah, yeah. also comes with a backside and any time anyone brings up mental health issues uh, I have a lot of friends whose name I'm not going to mention that have gone through what you've gone through in some of the biggest bands on earth uh, selling out arenas being profoundly unhappy uh, on tour 
even if they're playing music that they wrote themselves or even if they like the people they tour with uh the chemical ups and downs of touring not just the traveling can be very taxing on your inner chemistry so you know i just wanted to to you know give you props for mentioning that yeah yeah a lot of people listening might have felt weird on tour and think something is wrong with them and like no you're a musician you're you're gonna it's gonna happen and uh Mats Ronander yeah uh I want people to know he was a solo guitar player for ABBA on their huge tours in the late 70s yeah and Mats Ronander is when I hear him play I hear a lot of Keith Richards but in a slicker way when he plays rhythm and when he plays lead I hear a lot of Clapton and you know, yeah. uh, he is just simply one of the greatest musicians to come out of Sweden ever. Yeah. And he has this low rolling stone. Like if Mick Jagger had a low voice, there's a lot of swagger, a lot of sex appeal in his singing. Yeah. And uh, he made a record that you played on yeah. called Himlengroter for Elmore James, which is in English, the sky's crying for Elmore James. And I think it's one of the best swedish rock and roll albums ever made and yeah. you did the tour after that and uh no i'm doing most of the talking but i have to give people recommendations <laughs> yeah of course uh there is a three or four part youtube series where you guys are playing in stockholm on that tour i yeah. think it's live from Bansch salonger yes i'm sure you've seen it yeah uh it's an absolutely swedish television mixed it and if yeah. you do one thing from this podcast, listen to Mats Ronander on YouTube. I'll post the link. And now let's playing on there. It feels like a band that's done 100 gigs and everyone is taking liberties without playing too much. Everyone is, yeah. you know, you're going for shit, but the songs are still there. Yeah. Um, and I heard you mention in an in- interview or on Facebook the other day about, uh, is it the song Sverige, Sverige, Fosterland? Yes. With where the producer told you to do something and and you said I don't want to do it no it was actually another recording but but um, when we recorded this Sverige Sverige was which means Sweden Sweden um, um, no it was just we we just went through the demo it was a very simple demo and and I thought it sounded very stiff Mm -hmm. um, and I thought I want to do it with some more swing or whatever you call it and um, a bit more groove, groovy, uh, but I didn't ask anyone, you know, or very much talking before recording, before you go into the session and and you start to play. Um, some say, oh, okay, we go for this, we go for that, and maybe some of the others, the drummer, and yeah, we just talked a bit about it, but I, I just thought, I, no, I'm not gonna ask anything. I just go in there and play whatever I want. I heard what what it was on the demo, but I did my own version of it, and um, and I didn't ask anyone, and I didn't look for any comments either, and no one said anything. It was just, uh, yeah, that was a take. So, but but you said that you've gotten compliments from bass players online about this yeah. specific song, right? And um, they just made thumbs up and said that yeah, th- this was good, and I just played without actually thinking of anything. I just thought that this feels groovy this is the way I want to do it and um, and it was at that point I I actually stopped thinking about what I played Mm -hmm. I just just go for it just play something and do a little little of this and little of that and and um, yeah I didn't actually think 
anything really. And after that, uh, some of my colleagues, ba bass co colleagues, came up to me and said, "Damn, you play good on that song." And I was just like, "Oh, thank you." I haven't thought of it. I, I, I thought of it. I, I just played. You know, yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have been dying to ask you about this specific song for twenty years, uh -huh. twenty-five years, perhaps. It's an album by the super, super famous Swedish female singer Carola. Yeah. And it's called Passionlit, which means personally. And the whole record slays me. It, 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 the bass playing on it, it it's, it's like you went in there like Gene Simmons with your legs far apart. And it's like, oh, here's this pop record. Watch this. <laughs> it's okay. just, it changed my life as a bass player, quite ah, frankly. That record, glad to hear that. That okay. record really shifted how I thought of what you can do with a pick in a pop guitar setting. Because it's sort of a guitar-driven record, more than machines and synths. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff on Asner on there, playing big chords and yeah. lead guitar. And, but... There's a song, which I, I'm going to post this song, called Sanningen. Do you remember okay. that song? No. <laughs> All right, this happens a lot. Okay. session I talked to uh, another bass player friend of mine last night who said he's best friends with the drummer you did that record with and the drummer Peter Dahmin yes yeah and Peter said that was one of the most fun sessions he's ever done for that okay record. all right yeah it was yeah it was really fun it sounded yeah. uh, I think it was Lasse Lindboom producing and I think yeah. it just sounds like he let you guys yeah we could do whatever we, we wanted yeah. yeah he just we we just listened to uh, yeah simple demos before we uh, went into the recording and and uh, we just did our own version of it and he gave us what do you say free hands mm -hmm. to do, yeah do whatever you want it's, it's up to you you know and I will tell you if something is if I have another idea of how it's gonna be but yeah. but but it, we just played and yeah and I rem I actually remember uh, it was some. I think it was at that session where Stefan Asner actually, he was sitting with, um, what do you call it? Papers with... <laughs> yeah, sheet music. Sheet music, yeah. Uh, i never been into that. So, But I remember him saying, he looked at me and we played and he sat there and wa watching his sh sheets and, and he looked at me and said, how the hell do you remember that? You know, it was, and but I didn't read anything. I just remember from listening to the demo before. So yeah, you did your homework. Yeah, before you did and, and but I think that can make you confused when when staring at a paper. You know, so I've never been into that. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. If we yeah. go back further, I'm hopping around your career, not in any, any timeline. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk about easy action, because there's some smoking bass playing, on. Uh, the easy action stuff. Yeah, that makes one was yes, the album. Yes, that, that is the yeah. record. There's uh, teachers do it with class. There's. Yeah. Do you do you remember what you? Uh, I mean, you probably don't. It's a long time ago. But is that your uh, is that your Yamaha? It's the Yamaha BB sixteen hundred straight into the uh, mixer board. 
I think. Yeah. I didn't have any preamp or anything yeah. like that. No. It sounds very direct, but it yeah. sounds great. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that bass a lot. I figured uh, we I talked about it in Swedish before we turned this thing on because I have more questions than you probably ever want to hear. But uh, this BB 1600, which I'll post the picture of, started out as a white stock BB 1600, which is a Yamaha PJ. Yours is an 84 or 83 or 85? 86. 86. Yeah. And it looks nothing like it used to today because you have beaten the living fuck out of it <laughs> yeah. for 30 years. Yeah. And um, it has the true temperament frets on it. And you just told me uh, during uh, you used a bad flight case and a flight down to southern Europe. The control cavity caved in. So the volume and tone knobs disappeared into the base. Yes. And uh, I'm going to post pictures of this base with this episode. Uh but this bass has basically been your career. It has been on every record that you've made, right? And done every major tour that you've done until recently with Therion, maybe. I've seen you with other basses, maybe. But Yeah, I actually had an, another BB bass um, on the late Therion tours. But mm -hmm. um, the BB1600 that you just talked about that has been out a lot of t on tour too will you uh, will you talk about your love affair or like what makes that bass different from from other basses and you know we talked about it a little bit in swedish but i i, I think a lot of people would be interested to know why a guy like yourself that have a lot of options you know companies are nice to you and like this one bass from from 1986 you haven't been able to find anything better and, in, no. And, and why is that? I really don't know. <laughs> it just feels good. It sounds good and it feels good. I remember I played it, yeah, since 1986, but then it was in, I don't know, uh, was in 1987, yeah, the year after, or was it 88, that I was impressed by another play, bass player uh, who had an ESP bass, mm -hmm. five string, and I thought, I gotta have that, oh, I wanna have the same. So I bought it, but I never really felt comfortable with it. Uh, and I was totally convinced about that I must have a five string bass. Um, but um, then it was, I played at a small um, club or bar here in Gamla Stan, mm -hmm. the old town in Stockholm. And I thought, no, when we play these simple songs, uh, I, I don't need the five string. I, I, I'll take the, um, the four string Yamaha. And it had been standing in a cupboard of mine uh, at my cottage, my summer place. And I just took it out of there and I started playing it. And it was like, wow, this, this is what a bass should feel like and sound like. And since then, I just got rid of this ESP bass and I thought, no, this is it. 
Mm-hmm. And then I, I, for a couple of years, I worked at a mu- music instrument shop in, in Stockholm called DLX Music. Mm-hmm. And there they have so much basses coming in and out. You get new models, you, get, you have vintage stuff, you have everything. So then I thought, now when I work here, and um, then I have the possibility, the opportunity to check different bases out and so the whole the whole day, you know, when I was working there. And then I thought, now, probably I will find something that is better. Because you're going to see so yeah, many. Yeah, yeah. But, no. I never tried one single bass that I thought was better than mine. Never. Mm-hmm. Even if I had the time to sit there and fix, let's see, uh, yeah, fixing with it, trying it out, and yeah. But, no, never. Still about that bass, you no. are a B B through D guy, and you you string this favorite bass of yours B through D, and it looks like that one is B through D as well, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And that one's standard. Yeah, yeah. So your three BB basses, um, uh, yeah, two of them are B through D, but you don't just use a B string. You use a what a one forty five? Yeah. What company makes a 145 B string? GHS, uh, is it? No? GHS, yeah. yeah. Bass Boomers, yeah. And I, uh, before I used um, Dunlop. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, no, I'm into GHS. And yeah, they, so I always buy the strings separate. No. Yeah, they, one they, by one. Yeah, one not by one. Set. Yeah, no, not a set. So do you know, since you buy them one by one, do you know? by heart what gauges the other strings are you got 145 for the b string yeah let me think (laughs) what is it 75 starts with 75 i think and and i think the the e string is 115 or whatever the Mm -hmm. 75 95 115 and 145. So that's really heavy gauges if you're playing standard tuning B. Yeah. Is it, do you, do you play, it's B through D, it's not tuned down a half or anything, right? No, no, no? it's it's standard. Sometimes it's, I drop it half a tone. Okay, yeah, but. Yeah, but that's okay too. Yeah. yeah. It works. Yeah, it totally, if you have strings that thick, I assume half a tone down is nothing. They will still feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I think I played a 115 E string when I was in a metal band when I was 18, but I haven't played a 115 since. Uh, yeah, that that bass. I'm gonna take take a few pictures of. Or it maybe if it's one. One ten. One ten. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I yeah. I don't remember. Uh, oh, he's digging through. <laughs> he's digging through strings here. Oh, never mind. Never mind.
stuff you've played on <coughs> lately uh-huh. uh, but you've played bass at home I know because you've indicated so on Facebook or and I'm looking at you have a MacBook Pro like I do and you have a Sans amp uh, and so there's a slight breakup on your tone as of lately the last no. few years and we were talking about it at your kitchen table when we were having a fika which is the most Swedish thing you can ever do <laughs> yeah. uh, it means coffee and companionship and a cinnamon bun. Now, if you only have companionship and a cinnamon bun, but no coffee, it's not fika. You gotta have all three. Anyhow. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but this uh, this sans amp is not the standard. You mind if I grab it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can grab it. It's not even. Uh, so I'll take a picture of this. This is a sans amp programmable. Very dusty. Very dusty. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a heavier, slightly bigger, uh, I don't know the model number, but I don't even think it has. It's called Sansam Programmable Base Driver, Driver DI, and it's not the current version. It's slightly older, and I'll, yeah. I'll take a picture of the settings here for you guys, too. But you've played on some stuff lately where I'm uh, specifically, you did a project, which I assume Frontiers Records basically told you guys to get together, but with Harriman uh, uh, and Robert Sell and uh, Steve oh. Overland. Yes. And yourself, yeah. Groundbreaker. Yeah. So I've listened to that record a okay. lot. Okay. So uh, there's, I think, first or second track on there is "Will It Make You Love Me," and your bass is really up front in the mix. You can really hear the pick, and you're playing some. The lead riff is kind of Zeppelin-y and has some trills and slides, and it's no, not yeah, yeah. super simple. And no. then the chorus is just sort of straight ahead, sixteenth notes. Yeah. Uh, but I think you can really hear that the tone that you have right now, mm-hmm. your current tone on that record. I would like to turn, a suggestion is to um, put one song on the playlist uh, that is from Matsurananda's latest album the, the 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 title track where I play a bit more uh, it's uh, it's not the usual me I play a bit like uh, funky yeah a bit more funky but it's played with a pick but I'm I'm trying to make my version of Tony Levin yeah you know? <laughs> it's fantastic I yeah. I listened to it maybe three times the week it okay. came out, uh, top yeah. to bottom. Yeah. And it's not like I didn't expect much to make a great record, but it blew me away. I thought, man, I mean, and you read the guys who are on it, your old friends, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. like those guys probably can't make bad music, but it's super cool because it also has a lot of different vibes on it. It's not just one thing. 
It's no. a very, very diverse album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like it. It sounds like you all had fun there, so I'll yeah, make yeah. sure I'll put that that first the title track on the on the playlist. Thank you as well. <laughs> yeah. Therion thing, uh, I've only listened to a little bit of that music, so I'm not super familiar, but I saw you post on Facebook recently that you are, and you indicated, you're done touring with them, but you're, you're still doing tracks here at home for their upcoming projects? Yes, we recorded, uh, or I recorded, uh, I laid down the bass tracks for, I think it was between 30 and 35 songs. Mm-hmm. So Christopher, the leader of the band, is uh, actually planning um, three, three albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, the first one, will be released um, in the beginning of December this year. Wow! Yeah. So you and it, and it, and it actually, it it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be one of their best albums, I think. And I'm, I, I said to them, that I I wish this. Uh, this album could have been made about 10 years ago when I started the band, you know, 11 years ago. Yeah. We have only been doing some experimental stuff while we have been, or while I've been in the band. Yeah. So like in rock opera and a French strange album and whatever. But this is actually my taste very much better than. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say the little theory on I heard, it doesn't sound like the type of music that you would normally do. So this new album, you think, is more commercial and yeah, it is. Um, it's just ten uh, classic, or it sounds like classic Therion, um compared to the other two or three albums I I recorded with them. They are more uh, experimental, I think. And as far as your touring the last few years with Therion, a lot of South America, right? Or I yeah. think I've seen that a few times. Yes probably been there I don't know five to six times mm-hmm. and uh, yeah Therion uh, Therion is yeah that, that that's the um, that's where they have the the biggest audience in South America or Latin America how about yeah. Europe as well I, I would think they normally is, did you do stuff here in Europe like yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah yeah we did a big Euro- European tour and uh, yeah we several European tours but the latest one we did was in 2018 I think we did uh, 54 cities wow something like that wow yeah 
So, you just rejoined a classic Swedish melodic rock band. I call it melodic rock. It's sort of AOR, but it's really just a hard rock and roll band no. uh, called Treat. Yeah. And you were in Treat for a few years. You exited, what, 2013, 14? Yeah, to, uh, I was a member between 2005 and 2012. Mm, okay. And then I quit, and then I came back last year. Yeah, and I was in Sweden. I missed your return gig at, was it Friishuset Klubben? Yeah. I missed that gig by two days. And okay. I was, I was really bummed because yeah. I was... But uh, of course, I've been on YouTube and, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good songs with Treat, before we leave Treat. There's an album called Coupe de Gras, right? Yeah. Coupe de Gras. Yeah. And uh, it, it's in English, French name, Swedish band. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But that album is pretty fantastic. And that's you, that record, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yeah, I play on it. Yeah. yeah. Is there, is there uh, any specific songs from that? Because uh, this playlist is going to be the most important thing in this episode to make people outside of Sweden hear what you do. That's my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's actually one song on that album. That Paper is, Tiger. Yeah, yeah, it's called Paper kicker. Tiger. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, bass really sticks out of, of everything. Yeah. yeah, you can really hear the bass. And in, in, in the verses, there are all, almost only bass, drums and vocals. Yeah. The way it Some should be. Part. Save the guitars yeah. for the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually told them while they were mixing the album, I told them that let the bass come up there and fight with the guitars. Mm -hmm. Don't just put it down there somewhere, sounding like, yeah. you know. Uh, and um, they actually did it very good, I think. Um, they even put some more distortion to it. It sounds like what is it, barbed wire. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Does. Yeah, I, I, I like that. It sounds mean. Before the pandemic uh, struck and you had just rejoined that band, I assume that they are not touring. You rejoined because they're not going to tour too much. It would be comfortable for you. Yeah. Um, no, the the uh, real reason why why I said I want to quit Therion was because of these um, long distance touring, mm -hmm. whatever you call it, uh, you know, Latin America. It's uh, the the last time I, I I got home from this big touring, we did ninety two or ninety four gigs around the world in two thousand eighteen, and talking about um, mental health. Mental health, yeah. yeah. I I collapsed totally when I came home. It was horrible. So I thought, I, no, I I really I really, I I loved to to tour in Latin America and wherever we were in Australia or China or. But uh, this was too much for me. It, it really was. But uh, what was the question? <laughs> I, I, I was just asking about, since you agreed to join Treat again, yeah. that must mean that those guys are never going to tour that much. They're going to they're gonna have fun. And I don't, I don't yeah. think so. If we, will, uh, if we will go on tour, it will be in, um, uh, around Europe maybe japan 
-hmm. Unfortunately, I have never been able to go to Japan with them, but I think they have been there three or four times when I, while I have not been a member of the band. But I hope to get there. Well, yeah, talking about long distance touring. Yeah. But Japan is something that is very, very, um, yeah. I would dear to your heart. Yeah, it looks like. yeah. I would really like to go there again. I've only been there once. We played with Therion there once, we, and we were in Tokyo for I only. Yeah, it was only three days. Yeah. But I would really like to go there again. So that is an exception. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, the only thing we haven't covered gear-wise, and we must, is uh, as far as do you go direct in airs only, or do you have do you get amps when you guys fly around the world? Do you have rental like Ampeg, or what's your amp of choice? No, uh, with Therion, for eleven years we have been playing only with in-ear system okay yeah i i really i i don't like it but you you get used to it yeah but uh i i prefer to have an amplifier mm -hmm. yeah real and, amplifiers on stage and what's your you know back when you were doing the matrananda tours and the stefan anderson tours and i know that we're talking 25 years ago but there was a lot of great bass amps around to yeah. me in the 90s that was the yeah. golden era of many good bass amps what kind of stuff were you playing then at that time, I had uh, I played Marshall, mm -hmm. so I had um, um, two. What do you say, four twelve? Mm -hmm. What do you say, cabinet? Four twelve, but they were bo ba Marshall bass cabs. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had one. I had two actually, yeah. but I sometimes I only used one of them. So, mm -hmm. but um, one that was actually for guitar and one that was for bass, and and then I had an amplifier from an. What is it? Transistor Starker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Transistor. Like, yeah, transistor yeah. That, that I plugged into those. Yeah, solid state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't remember what kind but, of transistor. But I, it was. I can imagine having one, one bass 412 and one guitar 412 being a pick bass player, that that was an incredible thing yes. to have on stage, inspiring. Yeah, it sounded it really, really all the, good. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I haven't had any backline for, I don't know. 10, 10 years, I think. Oh, wow. Ah. So the treat gig at Furiosus, it was no amp as well? Uh, no, it, it was. I, I think I had an amp peg there. But, okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's always, you know, it's always in hood backline. Yeah, yeah, Rental backline, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it really doesn't matter. It's just uh, as long as I have something to... Uh, me at Hörning. Right? Yeah, as long as you yeah, can hear yeah, yourself yeah, through yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Um, on stage, I'm, I'm fine with it. You can have, when I go through the sand amp, it's, yeah. yeah. And with the bass, I have it. Yeah. It sounds good. I was just huh? telling you at your kitchen table that ever since I've returned to the 80s BB basses, I feel less dependent on what brand amplifier is behind me. Because no. I feel those basses sound almost the same through anything they have such a strong identity yeah 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 and that's true yeah i will do it all again i got the scars to prove it i'm gonna be okay if we go again tomorrow we'll do it all again i got the scars to prove it i'm gonna be okay if we go again tomorrow i will do it all do it all do it again haven't mentioned much of your non-rock stuff but in Sweden or in Scandinavia but especially in Sweden for those of you guys that aren't aware of it there's a very very big culture has been for many decades called Dansband and Dansband is sort of like uh, a lot of old school rock and roll like Boogie, Chuck Berry mixed in with modern country music in a weird Swedish way yeah. and um it's Swedish people, that's how they, you know, get social, because they're pretty quiet otherwise. They go out <laughs> yeah. to the dance band show. Yeah. And there is uh, the biggest dance band in Sweden for, I want to say, 40 or 50 years. It's called Vikingarna, which means the Vikings. And 
uh, that's such a different culture. And you mentioned you recently worked with them. And I go, here's this tattooed badass rock and roll dude who plays his bass down on his knees playing with our biggest dance band. Uh, for you guys in the States or so, I can maybe say, imagine if, if Rex from Pantera got a gig with Kenny G or something, right? <laughs> uh, so can, can you talk a little about, about Viking Anna? Because it's such a big gig, but it's such a different thing for you. Did you alter yeah. what you do to fit into that world? No, it's, it's actually about what we talked about before. Uh, I think I... I always play the same old shit. <laughs> what? It, but yeah, where or wherever I am or wherever I play. So, um, but it, I know. I think I was um, I was asked by the the drummer of the band at that time. He asked me to join because their bass the bass player uh, couldn't go with them for for a few gigs, and I said, yeah. That, that would be great to play with um, Sweden's biggest dance band. Yeah. You know? So uh, I dressed up in a smoking and um, and yeah. put my uh, my my sunglasses on and I, like you said, my bass down at my knees and and uh, I just played with my pick as usual. <laughs> but it, it it worked yeah. <laughs> and it was really fun. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's a few things uh, I have to mention. Uh, everyone around Stockholm, around the top level musicians around Stockholm, when everyone mentions your name, they go, yeah, he's like the greatest bass player. But have you heard him play guitar? <laughs> they all say that. And they know you're a big ACDC guy, as am I. And, you know, three, two or three guys in the last few days have, have said that Stockholm's Malcolm Young. So in addition to all this bass stuff we we've talked about, you're also Stockholm's Malcolm Young. And, yeah, and since I'm not, I'm Malcolm. Of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, has, has guitar? Do do? How much guitar do you play versus bass at home or professionally? What's like? What's the percentage rate? Uh professional, it's like. Um, 95% bass and 5% guitar but uh, at home I actually actually play more guitar because that's the the way I write songs and mm -hmm. so on but uh, I I see myself as half ba bass player half guitar player uh, a rhythm guitar player mm -hmm. um and I don't only, uh, it's not only uh, rock music I can play some some funky stuff and and, and uh, yeah whatever I'm a big fan of, yeah, like I said, um, Earth, Wind and Fire or mm -hmm. Stevie Wonder and other. But I think that shows in your pick playing. When you play rock and roll, it's never, it, it has a swing, a bounce to it that shows that there's R&B in your, in your heavy rock. To me, as a fan, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I, yeah, I actually see myself as both guitar player and and uh, and bass player so but it's actually everyone sees me as a bass player and that's like i said 95 percent. Yeah. that's what what people see yeah um but i've actually played some rhythm guitar on on ethereum yeah. ethereum's latest album i played half of the rhythm guitars there and um, play or have also played rhythm guitar on some some other albums fantastic and the um, last question and i've talked about this in many podcast but you have a children's project yes <laughs> and uh i'm going to do some translations here so people can uh but i think that's completely amazing and it's been doing really well like it's really uh i i, I heard you say on the guitar geeks podcast maybe a year and a half ago when you were on there or almost two years ago when you were on there that mm. you had the streaming numbers were pretty good for your kids project yeah and one of the the title track uh, has uh, um, over i think it's almost 1.1 million streamings now and it's only in swedish yeah so but it's uh, kind of like it's got what we call in america potty humor yeah. like toilet humor right yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's so, for children between maybe Two, three years old, up to six, seven, maybe, or something like that. And your uh, kids are how old? I just met your daughter. <laughs> 20, she's 20, and my son is almost 16. Okay. 
And your 20-year-old daughter, you've been doing the proud dad thing and posting some stuff of her singing. Yeah. And it really floored me because not only technically did she know what she was doing. Most you know, people from Sweden always think, oh, they have good technique. But when she sings, a lot of emotion comes out. Yeah, to yeah, me, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very real. Yeah, not fake at all. No, and so I, I was just curious because she's only twenty and she's your daughter, and like, what, 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 what do you do? You work on music with her or encourage her, or does she say, "Dad, stay out of this. Let me handle it." No, she's asking me uh, for help, and uh, and uh, she said, "Can can you do this and that for me and?" Um, Maybe you could play some bass on it or some guitar. I listen to it and say, yeah, I can add some bass or guitar, what, whatever. I also added some. I programmed some some keyboard small things for her. But she um, she is more into R and B and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, but I'm familiar with that too. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, at the end here, I want to say. And promote a little bit since you are don't have a tour to promote right now. Your own album is Royal Mess. Yeah. And uh, so people can check that out. That's all you. Um, but you put out on Facebook that you, as many incredible players are normally too busy touring or recording, you have the time right now to give lessons. Yeah. And so. Uh, if you fi- if you guys find Nalle online, and uh, and it's not just I've been talking a lot about his rock stuff and playing with a pick, but like he said, there's so much more knowledge here, and um, I I would take a lesson from him. If you guys are looking at taking online lessons from from anyone, uh, find out how many time zones away from Sweden you are. So you can find a time that works and uh, make sure you hit up Nalle for a private lesson because I know very few players of his ability and stature who is accepting them right now. So uh, with that said, man, I think we'll, we'll cut it there so you and I can get back to talking in Swedish. Thank you so yeah. much for, for, for being a part of the podcast, man. Thank you very much, Victor. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this slightly different episode of the Lowdown Society and hopefully they won't get us in trouble for having all this original music in here from all these artists. I had so much fun interviewing Nalle and I had so much fun editing this episode to put some of my favorite uh, bass playing of his in it. Uh, Next episode will most likely be a more normal episode what you guys are used to. Until then, keep it funky, keep it low, And I'll see you right back here on the Lowdown Society Podcast.